0: Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus and we'll begin in chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If you've looked at your worship guide, you'll see that's a little different direction than we planned. There have been a lot of changes here at our church this morning. And so when I got here very, very early this morning, they were Uh, opening up one of the fire hydrants on one end of our campus, and they had all of the tractors on another end of our campus, and I knew then this was going to be an interesting day. So I want to thank you just for your patience and your cooperation. We had to make a lot of last-minute changes, and it's interesting, these kinds of changes... well, it's all a guess. It's sort of like making inclement weather decisions. You just have to decide and see how it works out. And so we've decided and here we are. We knew that our attendance would be much lower today since we didn't have restroom facilities here. But I think it's, I think it's really special that we're all together. All of us who are here anyway are all together in one room because it gives us a chance to just remind you That as we have two simultaneous worship services each morning, that there are some really exciting things happening at our church. And I get to see something that most people don't get to see. Maybe some of our ministers have a Sunday morning schedule like I do here. But I go to one service and then to another service, and sometimes back to the first service and then to the next service, and I get to see every Sunday morning how God is working in just an extraordinary way in both places. In both places, people are singing and praising God. And I see the expressions on their face and just how much they love God and want to honor God. I see in both services, we have people joining most weeks. In both services, we have people baptized. In both services, we see people making decisions. In both services, we see so many exciting things. Now, when you come to church, you typically, on a Sunday morning, a regular Sunday morning, you just get a, you just get a window into one side or the other. But just know that with our whole church here, First Baptist Nacogdoches, God is doing some extraordinary things. And just look around here. It looks like we've got a packed house. We do have a packed house. I don't, there are a ton of people behind me. I think they're still there. Sometimes they sneak off and then a ton of people in front of me. But listen, our attendance is way down today. And uh, you don't get to see all of the people here perhaps on a Sunday morning, but God has really, really been good to our church. So thank you for your flexibility today. We had much planned for this evening, and we're still going to do all of that. We're just going to start it next Sunday night because we really want to, well, we wanted to take this hour this morning and talk about some of that, really encourage you to join us. And so we'll postpone all of that until next Sunday night. So you can spend some time with your family tonight. Maybe you can go to the restroom at extra time (laughs) this afternoon. And uh, we'll all gather back here next Sunday and next Sunday night. Now, I had planned to preach to, our, to continue our series on the church, uh, and we were gonna be in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 today, but really that message is a message about the direction of our church. And the direction of our church over the last few decades and the direction of our church over the next few decades. And I wanna wait until we have our full church family here in person on campus to do that message. And so today we've got a last minute switch. And so you're gonna have to give me a little extra grace and mercy. Uh, This is is just the product of the last hour or two, but I want to share with you something about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. When we mention that phrase, the Ten Commandments, everybody knows what we're talking about, right? You don't wonder which commandments or which ten or why are there ten. You know the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are really a cornerstone of both the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. And even Islam, while they uh, would reject the Old Testament, they revere Moses, and they have a list of commandments. They count nine, not ten, but they have commandments very similar to ours. We hang copies of the Ten Commandments oftentimes in our homes. I wonder if many of you have a copy of the Ten Commandments hanging on a wall somewhere in your home. We have an ornamental copy of the Ten Commandments hanging in one of the hallways here in our church. In the Supreme Court building in D.C., there is a a depiction of Moses with the tablets handing off the Ten Commandments. We fight political battles over the Ten Commandments. People make movies about the Ten Commandments. But with the Ten Commandments, church there are some problems. Uh, The first problem is that most people, while they think they're very familiar with the 10 commandments, would have a hard time actually naming all 10 commandments. Now don't try to do it during the message, but perhaps when you get home today, you just take out a pencil and a piece of paper and see how many of the 10 you can come up with. Most people can't get to 10. And then another problem with the Ten Commandments is most people have no idea where they are in the Bible. If you ask them to open their Bible to the Ten Commandments, they really wouldn't know where to begin. Some wouldn't know if it's Old Testament or New Testament, but even if you know it's Old Testament, where in the Bible and people struggle. But the, but the most troublesome thing about the Ten Commandments is that there is great, great confusion about what these commandments mean what does it really mean? What does it really mean when it says we uh, should not use the Lord's name in vain? Does that really mean that there are three or four English words that weren't even words when the Ten Commandments were written, and that is a prohibition against us using those three or four English words? Is that really what the Ten Commandments are all about? What about, do not covet your neighbor's donkey? Of all of the things that God could have focused on, why in the world does he say we should not covet our neighbor's donkey? How in the world did that make the Ten Commandments? So for most people, they have no idea what the commandments really mean or why we've been given these commandments. I guarantee you if you asked, if you surveyed people in Nacogdoches today and you asked people, what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? 90% of those people would get it wrong. Now, I'm sure you all would get it right, but most people in our town would get it wrong. So what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? Well, most people see the Ten Commandments as entrance requirements for heaven. That these are the things that you must do in order to have a right relationship with God. That the Ten Commandments, this is how you get to heaven. And in fact, a lot of churches, they, uh, they, uh, they've either on purpose or, or, or hopefully inadvertently, they've communicated this uh, with these church signs. Have you seen these churches that have these marquee signs out front that they can change? Well, most of them just whenever they think about it. But oftentimes on those signs, you'll see things like follow the Ten Commandments or go to hell. Now, they'll have some clever way of saying it. It'll be a rhyme or a little funny pun on some words. But but essentially, the signs will say straighten up, follow the commandments, do what's right, or you will go to hell. And so, people generally believe that that's the purpose of the commandments. In order for you to have a right relationship with God, you need to follow these commandments. That God is good, we are bad, so we need to get gooder according to the Ten Commandments if we're ever to have any credibility with God. That's the wrong way to see. That is not the biblical way to understand the Ten Commandments. But understanding on that way really puts people into two different groups. If you misunderstand the Ten Commandments, as most people do, that puts you into one of two different groups of people. and, And these are lost people. These are lost people. So group number one, I can keep the commandments, so I must be right with God. Some people believe that they've reviewed the commandments, even though they might struggle to name them, they've reviewed the commandments and they think they're pretty good at keeping the commandments and they keep the commandments or at least by their measure they keep them and so I'm okay with God. Some people though are in group number two and they'll say I cannot keep my command, I cannot keep the commandments so I will never be right with God. So some people think they're in the group of people who think that they have kept the commandments so they are right with God See, if we understand the commandments as entrance to heaven, then it's easy to fall into one of these two groups. Either I have kept the commandments, and so I'm right with God, or I cannot keep the commandments, so there's no hope for me. Let me talk about those two groups. The first group, these people are simply deceived by themselves. I'm reminded of the Pharisees in the New Testament. Do you know the stories of the Pharisees in the New Testament? These were religious people that thought that they were really, really good at keeping the commandments. In fact, they prided themselves in how good they were at keeping the rules. And they had what the Bible calls a self-righteousness. Well, where do you find these people today? Well, oftentimes you'll find them in the church. Now, not everybody in the church falls into this category, of course, but there are plenty of people in the church that are just naturally good at keeping the rules. Have you noticed that some people are just a little better at keeping the rules than others? And, and so there are people in churches, that are just naturally rule keepers, and they think that they're very good at keeping the commandments. And because of that, God is pleased with them and God accepts them and they're a child of God. Now, to those people, I have some very bad news. You, in fact, are lousy at keeping the rules. You think you're good at keeping the rules, but what you're really good at is deceiving yourself. You're lousy at keeping the rules. And that self-deception comes because you're simply comparing yourself to other people. If you think you're a good rule keeper, you think you're a good rule pe- keeper because you keep rules better than somebody else you know keeps rules, okay? And you might be a great rule keeper compared to that person. The problem is God doesn't make the comparison between you and that person. God makes the comparison between you and him. And you're a poor rule keeper. You are, you are bad at keeping the Ten Commandments. And so if you're in that group that thinks that because you keep the commandments, at least by your own measure that you're right with God, that you're wrong, then you're wrong. God rejects your righteousness and your self-improvement will never be sufficient. You are not right with God. Now, the second group of people, the larger group of people, these are people that feel, that deal with an incredible amount of guilt because they know that they don't keep the 10 commandments. They know that they don't keep many of the commandments in the Bible and they don't think that they will ever be able to keep the commandments. And so they're just, they just believe they'll never have a right relationship with God. You'll hear people say things like this. Well, I've been pretty good for the last week. I've been pretty good for a week. So maybe I can pray and God will answer my prayer. Or you'll hear people say, it's been a rough week. So I probably need to get saved again if God's ever going to hear my prayers. And We think that we will never have a right relationship with God. We'll never be able to come to God in prayer. We'll never be able to have an assurance that we're in God's family because we're, we just can't keep the rules. Now, where do you find these people today? Well, they could be inside church or outside church, uh, but they're people who are searching, searching uh, for somehow some improvement that might gain them access to God, they're trying harder. They're trying to boost their self-discipline, but they just feel more and more guilty because they fail to keep the rules as good as they know that they should keep them. Now to these people, I have some good news, some good news. God's laws are not a condition. Listen, this will be important. God's laws are not a condition of his love, but they are a confirmation of his love. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. So buried in these Ten Commandments is the secret to the relationship between God's law and God's love. And I have good news for you. If you believe that you could never be good enough, there's good news. There's good news. And you see that good news in the real purpose of the Ten Commandments. So I I want us to find those. If you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Here we find the Ten Commandments. And I'll read the first two or three verses. It says, then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. So that's the first commandment. Or depending on how you count it, there's some controversy here. It might be the first and the second commandment. But notice it says, then God spoke. You see that right at the beginning of Exodus chapter 21, chapter 20, verse 1, then God spoke. That tells us that something happened before Exodus chapter 20, right? It wouldn't begin with then God spoke unless something had happened and then God spoke. Well, what happened before Exodus 20? This is the key to what the 10 commandments really, really mean. And so I want us to study a little bit this morning, Exodus chapter 19, and I want to give you a guide to understanding the Ten Commandments. The first thing that we're going to learn is this, the rescue came before the commandments. I'll I'll explain that in a moment, but the first thing we're going to learn here in Exodus chapter 19 is that the rescue, God rescuing the, the Israelites, God rescuing the Jewish people, that came before the commandments. Now look back at Exodus 19, verse 1. It says, In the third month, from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel kept camped rather, there in front of the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain. Uh, to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, this is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. And so now there's going to be an explanation. Verse four, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now notice the rescue, the people in Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. They needed to be rescued. The rescue that he refers to here in the first four verses of Exodus 19, the rescue came before the Ten Commandments were were given. The rescue came first and then the commands were given. You see, the commands are not a 10-step program for how to be right with God. The the commands are are not 10 requirements for membership in God's family. The commandments are not given to lost people. These are the things you need to do to be saved people. The commands were given to people who already had a relationship with God. Does that make sense? They already had a relationship with God. They had already been rescued by God. Then God gave them the commandments. You know, at my house, um, I just have one child still living in my my house. She's not really a child now. She's a She's a grown up really but uh, but just one child still in my home. Uh, but we st- we have some rules. We still have rules even for her. And so there are rules for the kids. Used to be three kids, now one kid, but there are rules for the kids living in my home. Now let's talk about those rules. Who do I give rules to for my home? To my kids. Now listen, I don't have rules for your kids. I don't have rules for what your kids need to do after dinner. I don't have rules for how your kids need to act in my home. I don't have rules for what time your kids need to be home. I just have rules for my kids, why? Because the rules are a confirmation of my relationship. You see, your kids can't be in my family just because they come and keep my rules. And my kids aren't out of my family because they failed to keep my rules. No, they're in my family. They're already in my family. They're my kids. And then because they're my kids, there are some rules. So the Ten Commandments are important, but they're not commandments given to lost people as a, a, a list of requirements for how to be saved people. No, it's, it's, these are commandments given to God's people for how we honor God as people already in God's, God's family. Go back to the point, the rescue came before the commandments. Don't think, here are a list of things you have to do to be right with God. No, we're right with God for another reason that I'm gonna to point to in a moment. And because we're right with God, then God gives us these, these commandments. Let's look at number two. It is impossible to approach God on one's own merits. Now I want to go back to Exodus 19 and I want to skip down to verse 10, which says, and the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes. And so they're to get spiritually ready for a meeting with God. They're to wash their clothes. That's a Uh, a a picture of them setting aside their sin. They're to prepare themselves spiritually. So it says that they're to consecrate themselves. And then verse 11, and be prepared by the third day, for on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all of the people. So the Lord's going to come down onto the mountain. And then verse 12, put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go up the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. Who couldn't, why couldn't they go up the mountain? Because you can't just come to God on your own terms. Even after the Israelites had washed themselves and consecrated themselves, they still couldn't approach God. Now, the message here is that no matter how hard you try, No matter how much you seek to clean yourself up, no matter how carefully you follow the rules, you can not approach the Lord. See, we get things wrong with these 10 commandments. We think that they're a way to be right with God. Churches put it on their signs, follow the 10 commandments or die in hell. And we teach people that these are the way to get right for, for us to get right with God. But the truth is you can't come to God on your own terms. God must come to you. We need to quit telling people to straighten out their lives. We need to tell people that Jesus has made a way. Now we need to stand for sin. We need to clearly communicate sin. People won't know they're, they're wrong until we point out what sin is according to scripture. But what people need is not a, 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 an opportunity to straighten out their own lives, what people need is to know that Jesus has made a way. I remember as a youth minister many, many years ago, I was in a church, and we had a, a youth worker. He was a dad to one of the, well, really two of the, two of the boys in the youth group. And his name is Richard Ford. I got to know Richard uh, a good bit. And he had a colorful past. He used to own Uh, previously he had owned, and I didn't even know what this was at the time, uh, he owned several after-hours bars. And I didn't really know how this worked, but apparently bars, at least in this area of Mississippi, I guess this is true everywhere, uh, bars would be open like to 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., and then they would close. And then there was another place you could go if you needed to drink some more, you're still thirsty, I guess, okay? So they called those after-hours bars. I can't imagine, uh, as, a, as an old man, I can't imagine doing anything but going to bed after 2 a.m., but he owned these after-hours bars. Now, apparently, and I've never been to an after-hours bar, I don't even know if we have those here in Nacogdoches, but um, these were pretty seedy establishments. And, and I guess there's probably not anything really righteous that anybody is doing in a bar after 2 a.m. But these were pretty seedy establishments, and he owned several of them. And so through the years, a lot of preachers and a lot of well-meaning Christians had gone to him, and they had said, Richard, you need to close those bars or you will go to hell. Now, what's the problem with that? You need to close those bars or you will go to hell. Well, the truth is, Even if he would have closed the bars, he was still going to hell, right? You don't go to heaven because you closed some after hours bars. In fact, you don't go to heaven because you fixed a whole lot of things in your life. You don't even go to heaven because you've given your best effort at the Ten Commandments and you're really good at it. No, we're a child of God because we trust that what Jesus has done for us on the cross paid the penalty for our sins and we're we're washed white we're truly consecrated we're forgiven of our sins not because we have kept the 10 commandments but because of what Jesus has done for us and he said one day uh, a preacher came to see him and he knew what the he thought he knew what the preacher was going to say and he was uh, Planning to kick him out of his office like he had kicked out all the other preachers. But a preacher came to him and said, Listen, I don't want to talk to you about closing your bars. I want to talk to you about what Jesus has done for your sins. And he listened to the gospel and he responded, trusted Christ, made Christ his Lord because of what Christ has done for him. How Christ had gotten him, had made it possible that he could get into the family of God. And then he closed the bars. Not to be right with God, but because that's how he would honor God once he was in the family of God. You see, it's impossible for us to approach God on our own merits. The Ten Commandments were never meant to be that. That brings us to number three, obedience to the commandments is how we demonstrate our love for and our trust of God. If we look back to Exodus 19 again, verse four, beginning in verse four, he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So God says, you've seen what I've done, how I've rescued you, Verse 5, now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. See, the, the, the Ten Commandments uh, are, are not just, they're not an entrance requirement to heaven. But they're also not just a list of suggestions. They're not just a helpful guide. They're not just tips for living. The Ten Commandments, that's how we as children of God express our love for God. I've been married almost almost 30 years, I think. If uh, I'm nice for another year or so, I'll perhaps make it to 30 years um, you know, my faithfulness to my wife is, is a demonstration of my love for my wife. Does that make sense? It, it, it's not some arduous command that my wife uh, gives me every morning when I leave the house. No, it is, it is an expression of how much I love and care and adore her. Um, The Ten Commandments, it's not how we get right with God, but it's how we as Christians honor the Lord and how we as Christians trust the Lord. You know, people often think of the Ten Commandments as a burden. In fact, uh, if a pastor announces he's preaching on the Ten Commandments, ten sermons on the Ten Commandments, which isn't a bad way to preach. They're important. They ought to be preached, right? But you announce that you're preaching the Ten Commandments. And I've done that. I don't think I've done that here, but I've preached the Ten Commandments before. Uh, nobody, Nobody looks forward to that sermon, right? Nobody looks forward to that series. Because we see the Ten Commandments as this great burden. But when you read Exodus 19 and then 20, what you see is that the Israelites never saw it that way. The Ten Commandments were not given as a burden. They were given as a love letter. They were given as a confirmation. I love you. I have rescued you. You are my children, God says. And the indication that you're my children is here are the rules for how you will live in my household, how you will honor me with your life. Now, let's do this. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to... I want to ask the most important question of the hour. Do you have a right relationship with God? Now, if you're in group one, you may think, I do because I've kept the Ten Commandments. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you, you've not kept them that well. You're a sinner. You're guilty of sin, and that separates you from God. But there's hope for you. If you think, Pastor, I, I, I'm not in the family of God because I could never keep the Ten Commandments. I have good news for you. Jesus has kept them for you. And you can trust in what he has done for you on the cross. And you can be in the family of God. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. And trusted him for forgiveness. I invite you today to do that. We're going to stand in a moment and sing. And there are a lot of ways you can let us know that you've done that today. You can step out of your place and come down and just speak to me or one of the other ministers here in the front. Or you can let one of the ministers know as you leave today as we'll be in the hallways visiting and greeting people as they they leave. But if today you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I invite you to do that. Nothing is more important than that. Father in heaven, I'm thankful for the Ten Commandments. Not because They're a great burden of um, responsibility, not because they are some impossible test to um, somehow merit your favor, but because they're a way I can express my love to you. And I do love you. Because of what you've done for me, your sacrifice on the cross, I do love you. And I pray that those here today who have never trusted you not trusted their ability to keep the Ten Commandments, but they've never trusted you, Father, that they'll do that today. They'll surrender to you. They'll be in your family. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing, as we respond to the Lord.